0: Welcome to the Illuminated Word podcast. Each day we'll look at a text from the weekly readings from the Westgate Church Bulletin. We will look at background material and also application of the text. So once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word podcast. Our reading today comes from John chapter 19 verses 16 through 27. This is John's account of the crucifixion of Jesus. This entire week we're going to investigate the last day of the Lord, his crucifixion from different lenses, from different Gospels, from Old Testament perspectives. And then Sunday at Westgate, our sermon will focus on the cross of Jesus Christ. This is the very central event to our faith. If you said, okay, what is the central historical event on which all history turns, one would have to say the crucifixion of Jesus Christ stands in the heart of history. So I want to read to you at this time from the Gospel of John. Realize Jesus has already been arrested. He has been scourged. He has been mocked. And now he's being led away to be crucified. I'll start with verse 16 and go through verse 27. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and he went on, bearing his own cross to the place called the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with two others, one on either side, and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So The chief priest of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the King of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am King of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written But standing by the cross of Jesus were were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciples whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her to his own home. There's so much to talk about here as we go back and think about this account of the crucifixion. We know that Roman crucifixion was a very gruesome thing. It was not talked about in polite company. Cicero talks about the horrors of the cross. Crucifixion was only reserved for criminals or political opponents. A person that had Roman citizenship could not be crucified. So when you think of crucifixion, you think of Spartacus and the slave revolt, where they lined crosses along the Appian Way near Rome. So crucifixion would be used for those that were taking part of insurrection or were just common thieves and criminals. If you were a Roman citizen, you would be beheaded. That was considered to be a more humane way to die. Thus, many believe that's how the Apostle Paul was executed, was he was beheaded because he was a Roman citizen. This is a horrific way to die. And it's interesting the simplicity with which the Bible speaks of this. It doesn't give us a lot of detail. It just says Pilate delivered him over to be crucified. Now, from history, we know what this would entail. So the victim would carry the cross to the place of execution. Typically, they would put these in a very public place, maybe a high place where everyone could see the victims. They'd be stripped of their clothing. It was very humiliating how they would die. Sometimes it would take days for people to die. Now, Jesus' scourging had taken him probably to the point of death already. And so he would not last long on the cross, about six hours. But could you imagine being on a cross for six hours? How awful that had to be. They also crucified him with two other brigands or criminals. These would be more like violent criminals, not petty thieves. And they put the sign, what's called the titulus on the cross, that read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Now it's interesting throughout the Gospels, Certain people get the identity of Christ, just a few. But the one place where Jesus has proclaimed to everyone that he is the king of Israel, it's on the cross. You can almost call this his, his enthronement. As John's gospel talks about, he will be lifted up from the earth. The cross would suspend him between heaven and earth and lift him up and proclaim to the people, this is your king. This is what you've done to your king. The Jewish authorities did not like the sign at all. They wanted Pilate to change it and say, No, once you put on the sign he claimed to be the king of the Jews? And Pilate said, I'm not going to do that. So you could get a little bit of the intrigue here with Pilate and the Jewish authorities. Pilate was not excited about crucifying Jesus. So he gets this one last dig at them by putting that on the cross. But it is interesting to note, this is the one place his identity is made loud and clear. He is the king of the Jews. Now, we look at this prophecy from Psalm 22. In Psalm 22, verse 18, it says, They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. This is exactly what happens. They take his clothing, they try to divide it. It's a seamless tunic. So they cast lots to see who would get it because they didn't want to tear it apart. So direct fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Now what's fascinating about Psalm 22, many of you have read this Psalm before, but Psalm 22 begins with the verse, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Those are the very words that Jesus says on the cross. Psalm 22 talks about evildoers surrounding him and piercing his hands and his feet. Psalm 22 also talks about being thirsty, having Your tongue cleave to your jaw. You're so thirsty, you have cotton mouth. Jesus says in John chapter 19, I thirst. So we see a band of evildoers have encircled Jesus. They've nailed him to the cross. The soldiers cast lots for his garments. And Jesus is also thirsty on the cross. We see that Psalm 22, written a thousand years before the crucifixion, is given a vivid account of exactly what's happening on the cross. Very powerful prophecy when we think about it. Then Jesus turns to his mother. This is one way we know that more than likely Jesus' father, Joseph, has died at some point. He vanishes from the biblical narrative, so he probably died. And now he's left to take care of his mother. He's the oldest, and that would be his responsibility. And now he's passing that responsibility to John the disciple. Now, this is different in Jewish culture. Many times you'd have what's called leverot marriage, where the brother of the deceased man would have to marry his brother's wife to protect her. Or if you had a child, the child would be responsible, a male child, to take care, especially if it's an adult male child, to take care of the mother. But now Jesus appoints John the disciple. Now, in church history, it's believed that Mary went to Ephesus and died there, what's called the Dormition of Mary. Mary dies there in Ephesus. There is a Catholic doctrine that believes Mary was assumed into heaven. You might have heard of the Assumption of Mary. That's one of the Catholic teachings about what happened to Mary. There's no historical proof of that. Matter of fact, the Eastern Church always celebrated the death of Mary, the Dormition of Mary, and that's never spoken of is that she was taken up into heaven like Elijah. We don't see that in the scriptural narrative but she probably goes with John the Apostle to Ephesus and dies there at some point. That's what is commonly believed about Mary. We know that she'll be there on Pentecost. She'll be there with them. So she will be with John. John will take care of her. It says a lot about John, if you think about it. This is the fellow that Jesus wants to take care of his mother. We also see the heart of Jesus here. that He cares about what happens to his mom. He's taking care of his responsibility even as he suffers on the cross. So today, this is really a simple reading It gets to the point. The very central part of our faith is Jesus died for us. That's going to be the gospel proclamation that you're going to see in the book of Acts. They're going to make it really simple. Christ died for our sins. No matter how you understand that or, or cut that apart, that's the simple truth. He died for our sins a cause of our sins. But thanks be to God, this won't be the end of the story. He'll be in the tomb all day Saturday. So that rest of the day Friday, all day Saturday. But on Sunday morning, he will come back from the tomb. He will be resurrected, never to die again. And just a few days later, he'll, he'll ascend back to heaven in victory and glory and sit at the right hand of the Father, where he is now interceding for us. Well, I hope this reading has helped you understand more about the crucifixion and some of the background information going on with the story. I hope you continue with us this week as we study the very centerpiece of our faith, the cross of Jesus Christ. God bless.